0: can tell me one good thing that has happened to them since sunday because we can find hundreds of bad things to say but who can find one good thing to say that happens to them since sunday yes ma'am amen see that's awesome because so many times i wanted to go here really bad but the lord wanted me to go in a different route i want to do our perspective because so many times we look at something and we can always count the negative and we can see the negative but how many times did god look in the Bible and see a negative situation and always find something positive about it. I mean, a guy's daughter died. He said, no, 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 she's fine. She's just sleeping. Don't worry about that. To them, they're looking at it saying, oh, my gosh, she's dead. He said, no, 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 God can do something with this. So for us, I mean, we go through our day all the time finding all the negative. We can come back and say, man, my day was horrible. Okay, did you end up in the hospital? No. Okay, you're doing a lot better. I know you had a headache, but are you laying there sick with cancer? No, you're doing pretty good. My dad always says, you know what? Today, I don't care where I'm at. It's better than being in the best hospital in the United States. He said, I'm doing good. Because he has gone through a lot of stuff that, you know what? It brings life back into perspective to say, you know what? It's not that bad. I'm not sitting there watching a loved one fight for their life. Because I know there's some people that even are hooked up with this vision that they have some loved ones that have really bad reports right now and we're sitting there and they're believing God and they're staying in faith and we're hooked up with them but you know what I'm thankful that I'm not having to be in that shoes because God's good and like we learned last Wednesday I mean man if that wasn't such a timely message that was good God is good we know where the evil comes from but we know our God is good so I'm going to get things started tonight I'm going to actually toss this aside. I don't think I'm gonna I want to talk to you guys a little bit about kingdom citizenship. Because we all know by now, we should know by now, have a little little mindset that the Bible is about a king, his kingdom, and his royal offspring, his children. And so we can go all the way back from Genesis to Revelation. We're not going to do that today. Pastor Mark covers that so great for us. But we know that God's original intent was to establish a kingdom on earth. For man to rule over. He said in Genesis 1:26, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds over there, and the cattle over the field, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. He said, I want them to have dominion over it. If he would have made man on any other day besides day six, it would have been man's responsibility to create everything else. But then we gotta look at to start off with kingdom citizenship, we have to see where we lost citizenship first. And so over in Genesis chapter 2, I'm not actually going to turn there because we know this story. But we know God told Adam and Eve, do not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He said, you eat of that fruit, you will surely die. Well, if we go back through history, we can see that they did not die. But that word death literally meant separation. And so they started off their life separated. When they ate from that fruit and chose to make that decision, it separated them. And that's where we start. Because every person from then on was born with a sin nature. They were not born into the kingdom of God. And so God had to go all the way through the entire Old Testament with a plan. And try to bring back his Messiah, Jesus Christ. And establish him on this earth so that way he could reestablish the kingdom that Adam had lost. And so we actually just got done with Kingdom Institute. I don't think anyone is in here, actually, from Kingdom Institute. No, they're not. That's really funny. They're all over there. But they just finished their second year of Kingdom Institute, and they got one more year left. So when you see them, congratulate them. They got a final little paper exam that they got to go through, but they did awesome. But we just got done going through the entire Old Testament for the last half of this year. And so we literally saw God's original intent for the kingdom of God. Through the entire Old Testament. I mean, through all the minor prophets, through all the historical books, everything, you can see God working his plan to reestablish his kingdom on this earth. And it's incredible to go back through because so many times people want to say the Old Testament's just old. I mean, why do we need to go back to that? It's the Old Covenant. Well, if you don't have an understanding of the Old Covenant, it's really hard to understand this new covenant that we live in. Because we need to know why God established some things back then. Because there's a covenant he made with a man named Abraham. And there's a thing called Abraham's blessings. We still have that today. He still says that Abraham was going to be the father of many nations. And that's still for us. So if you don't know your blessings, how can you ever benefit from them? If you don't know that you have a checking account with your name on it, with $2 million sitting there, how could you ever go withdraw from it? It's kind of the same concept. (laughs) I'm telling you, it'd be awesome. But if we never knew about it, we could never use the benefits of it. But we're going to start off today, and I'm going to give you some little natural terms about citizenship. Because who was actually born in the United States? Everybody? If you are a U.S. citizen, raise your hand. Okay. Pretty much everybody. Nobody was born outside of the United States? Nobody? Oh, okay. But here's the thing. Is they have some terminology. Obviously, we know one of the terminology is called the citizen. And that is a native or the naturalized member of a society. They can reap from the benefits of that. They can also, they pledge allegiance to the country they're a part of. But then there's also another group called the aliens. And this is a resident who was born or belongs to another country. It's a citizen of another place. And then the final one is called the naturalized citizen. And this one was born of another place, had residence, belong to another country, but asked for and got the citizenship of another country bestowed on them. So they were born some other place, but they went and went through all the hoops, hurdles, did all the testing, and then they pledged their allegiance to another nation. And that's how we get a lot of these people come in through the immigration office, is they become a naturalized citizen to be able to be able to become a U.S. citizen. They have to be naturalized because they are known as aliens. And I was looking there, and I was even telling Jane. and she goes, like, aliens? Like, outer space? I said, no. It just means they weren't from around here. Okay? That's pretty much how it goes. But the same thing happened to us is we obviously were born of a sin nature. We were born of another kingdom. And so we – were transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. But we want to find out, how did he do this? How did we become a part of God's kingdom? How is the steps that we take? And then also, what are the benefits, some of the benefits, of me being a part of this kingdom? Why would I want to be a part of God's kingdom? Because so many times, especially nowadays, if you try to go to somebody, it's a lot different than whenever I was a kid. I mean, I could go to anybody, talk to them about Jesus, and they wanted it. But now you go to them and say, well, what's in it for me? And there's so much of this me mindset that they want to know, why would I want to be a Christian? And that's why so many people go to these other religions is they are searching, trying to find out what's in it for me. That's why we hear about these U.S. citizens going over to the ISIS and joining and hooking up with them because they think they can help me out more than what I'm doing here. But we're going to see, we're going to go over to, uh, we're going to actually start off in Acts chapter 22. And I love this story about Paul. Acts chapter 22. And Jimmy, I think I want to start actually in 24. 22, 24. It says, The commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks and stating that he should be examined by scourging so that he might be find out the reason why they were shouting against him that way. And it says, but when they stretched him out with the thongs, Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? And then the centurion heard this. He went into the commander and told him, saying, what are you about to do? He said, for this man is a Roman. And the commander said to him, he said, tell me, are you a Roman? And he said, yes. And the commander answered and said, I acquired the citizenship with a great sum of money. And Paul said, but I was actually born a citizen. And then he goes on in 29, it says, therefore, those who were about to examine him immediately let go of him. And the commander also... uh, Was afraid when he found out that he was a Roman and because he had put him in chains and we're going to pause right there. But we see two different types of people. We see one who was born of another nation, but wanted to become a Roman citizen so bad he paid a great sum of money to become one. But then we see Paul here, who obviously we know his background, that he used to beat all the Christians. And then he steps up, and he is a great witness for God. And so now he takes on this place, and he is sitting there, but he knows his rights and privileges as a Roman citizen. This is natural stuff. And he sits there and says, is it lawful for you to be doing this to somebody who's uncondemned? I'm a Roman citizen. And then once they found out and said, okay, how would you get your citizenship? I paid a lot of money for mine. He said, I was born one. It said they dropped everything, and they were in fear. And if you go on to read They were shaking and they tried to just get rid of him because they know we just did something that is very unlawful. You can't take a citizen and try to get your way with them and not get the consequences because of that. And so Paul's sitting here and he's being examined because they're shouting against him because he's spreading the gospel. They hated this. They did not want to be a part of this. And so for Paul, being a Roman, he had benefits. But just think so much more according to the kingdom, how much benefits he had. And I mean, if Jesus can sit there and call on a legion of angels, if he wanted to, just think about us. God even says that he sends his angels to watch over us in all of our ways to make sure that we are safe. And so for him, he's pulling the natural card out. But for us, we're gonna see that we have some benefits about being a kingdom citizen on this earth. And so every kingdom citizen today is a naturalized citizen. And we're going to go and we're going to look at John chapter 3. Because when Adam and Eve sinned, obviously we know that sin came in. We were born as sin nature. But Jesus came to establish something else. And his whole goal, and even when Pontius Pilate went to him, he was the king. And Pontius Pilate said to him, are you the king of the Jews? He said, who told you this? He said, well, I'm just asking the question, are you? He said, you say correctly, I am a king. He said, for this reason I was born, and for this reason I have come. He said, but my kingdom is not of this place. And he's letting him know, I am a king, but my kingdom's not from here. It's not even of this earth. It's a spiritual kingdom that I will soon bring back. Now, obviously, we know, has it come back yet? It's here with us spiritually, but physical, seeing the kingdom, no, we haven't seen that yet. But like Pastor Mark says, we are the closest ones that there has ever been. And actually, I had a, this little thought. I said, well, technically, the Australian people would be because they're a day ahead, right? See, I thought, thought about that. Anyway, moving on. That was a little funny for you. So we're going to go over to John chapter 3. Let me go there. I thought about that the other day, and I was like, hey. So we see this conversation being taking place with a rabbi. And so it's this religious man. And so many people pull this out and speak about it. But what's interesting, to say the least, is that nowhere else in the Bible do you see this. But it's such a key principle that we have to understand. And so this conversation is taking place between a man named Nicodemus and Jesus. And it's in, I mean, the late, late hours of the night. And so in chapter um, three, verse, uh, let's start in verse two, it says, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with you or with him. And so they're already recognizing that God is with Jesus. They there's no doubt. We know that God's with you because you couldn't do the things that you're doing without God. We know this for a fact. And so they actually recognize that he's different. And we're going to get to that point here in a minute. I'm excited about that point. But it says, Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you that unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? And Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And he said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And so he's trying to wrap his head around saying, how in the world can I be born again? There's no physical way this can happen. And so Jesus is trying to let him know that born again is not meaning physical birth. He's saying it's to be born from above. He said, it is your spirit man being born and renewed unto God. Because we know that we are a three-part being. We have a spirit. We are a spirit. We have a soul. And we live in this body. And so when we talk about the born again process, the only thing that changes is our spirit man. Everything else is up to us to change. God cannot just come upon us and just make us have ripped awesome muscles like travis over there just because i got born again it doesn't happen he can't even come in and have us change our thinking that's our responsibility but the spirit man he said we can be born from above and when that happens it means that a spirit man is a new creation in christ jesus the old things have passed away and behold all things have become new and so he's trying to get nicodemus to wrap his head around the concept of you need to be born from god It's not a natural thing. It's a spiritual aspect that has to take place. And so that takes us to our next point, that when we become a kingdom citizen, we have a rebirth process. We become born of a new nation. And so this takes place over in Romans. We're going to go check out Romans chapter 10. I hope you brought your Bible tonight. We're going to be bouncing back and forth. Jimmy, you good back there? Awesome. Jimmy is a man. He wasn't here on Sunday, and I was missing him. So, man, you can tell when our sound guy's not here. And, hey, for all those guys that fill in, you guys are awesome. But when I'm back there, I get so nervous. I'm like, oh, Pastor Mark's going to call on some verse that I don't have, and is, everybody's going to turn around and look at me. It's going to be bad. But anyway, everybody at Romans 10? Because I love, Wednesday nights are awesome. I love filling in for Pastor Mark, and I treat it as a great honor to be able to come minister to you guys because, You guys know that he doesn't just have anyone come up here. He picks and chooses who God would have sinned. So when he asked me, I treat that as a great honor. I love being up here. But I'm so thankful he asked me to do Wednesdays. Because Wednesdays are the core group. I mean, you guys are here for Bible study. So we can get deep in this and we can go through these things. Sunday mornings, I don't even know what I would do. I don't even I was trying to talk to my wife and I was like, did I ever do a Sunday morning? I think I did And she's like, I honestly don't know. And I said I think it was so nerve-wracking for me that I just blocked it out of my mind. I don't, I don't remember if I did or not. so but Wednesdays are awesome. you guys are great and boy obviously won't keep you too long. <laughs> so here we go. It's in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. It says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus as Lord, And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It says, for with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. So a couple of things in there is obviously confess. We know that that word confess is to speak out. And if you actually look up the Greek definition of that word confess, it is making a verbal covenant with your mouth, saying, God, you are my Lord. And for so long, we always used to say, well, if you confess Jesus, he will come into your heart. No, it says very clearly, if you confess him as Lord. And we know that Lord means he owns everything. And so we even know, even in the natural, we have these things called landlords that a lot of us have. Some of us, you guys are the landlord of some places. But these landlords own and are responsible for that property. We just manage it. Well, same goes for us. He is the Lord over everything and he gives us the right to manage his stuff. Whenever we sit there and we get financial blessings, we always thank the Lord that he's the provider and we thank him that we can manage it the way he wants us to do it. When he gave us our children, he placed us there to not just be their parents, but to be the managers and the stewards over them, to watch them, to train them in the way they should go. Because It's not someone else's responsibility to raise your kid. Hope you didn't think so. Because God placed them under your authority, placed them in your hands to show them the right way to go. And so for us as parents, we have this great mindset of we know who's the supreme in authority. Because, man, sometimes you have to let them know, listen, I am still in control. Go sit down, please. (laughs) So... We keep it under control, but when we confess with our mouth, we are making this verbal covenant with God. And then also it goes on to say, um, with the heart, a person believes. That believe, I pulled it up and got the definition of it. But one of the cool things I love about it is to have faith in, adhere to, and stick to it. So our faith is pretty much... Our belief system is our glue that sticks it all together. It's the binding of it. When we believe that it is so, it should be so relevant to us that we will hold tight to it, stick to it, adhere to it. And that when somebody else comes to us and says, hey, that's wrong, we won't move. We won't budge because we believe that his word is truth. Amen? Amen. So then we go on. And becoming, I've looked this up. Actually, I do need this book. I looked it up today. I knew I was needing this for something. And I just wanted to pull up some naturalize the naturalization process pretty much for the United States because obviously we don't live in a kingdom here in the United States. But we do see that there are certain steps people can take to become a citizen of the United States, and we see that this happens quite often. And it was pretty funny to me because they have YouTube videos of the whole process, and you can actually get on there – and they will help you practice what you need to say to pass the test. They'll tell you this is what's going to happen next, and this is what you need to practice saying. So I watched this video for about 30 minutes today. But one of the things that was incredible is how much work they actually have to put in. Because for us, we think, well, man, they're just easy. it's easy for them to get in. They have to learn a completely different language. They have to learn the culture of it. And they also have to learn the history of our government and nation and answer these questions. And so the ones that actually can get citizenship, they go through quite a process. And it's not a very quick process at all. I was actually looking on social media the other day, and this gentleman has this great business here in the United States, helps out law enforcement, everything else. But he's from uh, Australia, and he's lived here for 20 years. And just this last month, got his citizenship. He said he has been in a 15-year process to get it, and he finally received it. He's had a business here. He's had his family here. He's married his wife here. All this stuff has happened in the United States, but it took him 15 years to finally gain his citizenship. I said, that is incredible. Take 15 years of your life to try to gain something to be a part of a nation. And he stuck to it, and so this last month, He posted up all these pictures of him finally going through the oath process of renouncing Australia to gain citizenship. But one of the things that they have to do is obviously um, the questions that they asked the people were pretty astounding for me. Because they asked him, one of the questions was, have you ever been a drunkard? They said, have you ever been arrested? Have you ever used drugs? These are questions just to become a citizen of the United States. And then they go on to say, have you ever helped an illegal alien smuggle into the country? Have you ever been a part of any illegal activity that you didn't get caught for? And they're asking these questions. These people have been trained to tell if they're lying or not. And they said it's up to the individuals to deny the right to actually come in. They said if they feel like they're lying, and they actually walk into the office and they have to say under oath, do you, do you understand you're going through this? And it says, all right, raise your right hand. Do you now can, well, what do they say? Brent, what is it? The oath. Yours is different. Yours is different. I know that. But tell the truth, know the most truth, so help you God. That one. That one. That was it. And so they have to swear under oath that they will tell the truth. And if they feel like they are lying, they can deny them citizenship. And so they go through and they ask him some co- couple questions. And it says, um, one, will you be willing to bear arms if the country requires you? are you willing to actually pledge allegiance to this country and deny everything else? And so they're asking these individuals these questions, and then they actually have a form they fill out that they have to send in a couple months in advance before they even have their first meeting. And it, it's called the uh, N-400 application form. And it covers personal information, residence, work, and then it also covers trips that they've taken outside of the U.S. because there are only a lot certain times that they can actually leave the United States if they're in this process. You can't be gone for so long because they want to know you're here. You're a part of this thing. And so then they talk about their family. They have to put all of their family information down, what's going on, any memberships or moral character involved with them. And then it also talks about any taxes that they've paid or haven't paid, arrests, and then also allegiances to the United States. And so this whole process comes down to are you willing to separate your ties from where you used to be to now become the United States citizen. And so they go through this long, lengthy process to try to gain the rights and privileges that we all have. Because obviously when you're born here, you don't think too much about it. For me, I don't think about all my history classes that I've taken. I mean, even the laws that concerning there, I've gotten a lot better at trying to figure out politics stuff, but I really just don't care. I know that's bad, but I've got to get better at that. But the thing about it is they have to know all these things. They have to know the history behind it. What, what is our Constitution? Why is it there? What is it for? What does it go over? What are the government branches? How many do we have? What is their purpose? They ask them all these questions. And so they're sitting there going through all this work, and I'm thinking, man, I know a lot of people. You ask them those questions, and they're going to go, what government branches they're high wide i don't know they're not going to know because i literally know the people that they just passed school did their little test just to pass the test and move on but they have to recognize that i am now setting aside everything else to gain citizenship and be a part of this nation well how many times as believers do we see so many people wanting to have a dual citizenship With the world, they say, "Lord, we want to be a part of this." Father, we, God, we confess that Jesus Christ is my Lord. You make the covenant, you make your allegiance to God, but then you turn around and go and do all the things that the world has you do, and it's completely contrary to the nation that you're a part of. And so we see so many times that people want to have this dual citizenship. It's pouring. But the thing about it is, God cannot have dual citizenship he requires us to pledge full allegiance to him and his kingdom he said i want everything i want every part of you not just the small little parts that you don't touch i want everything even those parts that you're like lord don't touch that i got that under control he wants it all and he requires it all because for him to actually give us citizenship there's great benefits that come with that and i mean there's great privileges That come with being a part of his kingdom and so we're going to look at a few privileges that we actually can gain through his kingdom and the first one i want to go look at is the forgiveness and remission of our sins and praise god that he does not keep a record of wrong because i mean we all know that we were born into another nation we were a part of a nation separated from god and we might have done some things that were displeasing to him but you know what he starts off and he says listen you come into my kingdom, he said, I will remove all those things. And so we're going to go over and we're going to look, uh, look at Luke. Luke chapter 24, the forgiveness and remission of our sins was paid for us when we became a kingdom citizen. Luke chapter 24, verse number 48, uh, 47. And it says, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name i don't know about you but in my bible i have a big h so that's talking about jesus proclaimed in his name that all the nations beginning with jerusalem but it says that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name jesus made it available for us to have repentance of all of our sins because without jesus we know what they did in the old testament there had to be bloodshed To cover sin. Not remove sin, but cover it. And so they constantly were given sacrifices. I mean, when they did the temple offering, when they were anointing the temple, I mean, it was like 80,000 bulls or oxen that they sacrificed, not even including sheep. One, where did they keep 80,000 bulls? Two, where did they get 80,000 bulls? And three, who was in charge of doing all that? Obviously the priests were, but I would not want that job. I've skinned a deer before. One, one, I'm good. No thank you, not 80,000 bulls. That is way, that's a lot of work. So I'm very thankful that Jesus has come and redeemed us from all that. And then let's go over and we're going to look at a couple of other references because I want to leave you with no doubt that we are a part of this kingdom and he has given us these benefits to share and be a part of right now. And so we're going to go over to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. I can hear the drums next door. They're having fun. Sounds like a war party of Indians. (laughs) Acts chapter 10, verse number, uh, let's go to 43. It says, of him, all the prophets bear witness that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of their sins. And one more reference I have is found in Hebrews. We're going to go over to Hebrews really quick. Chapter 9. Because Jesus has given us the forgiveness and remission of our sins. And that word remission simply means the freedom from those sins. Over in Hebrews. He's in a new Bible here and it's all sticky. Okay, here we go. Hebrews chapter 9. Verse number 22. There we go. It says, according to the law, one may almost say all things were cleansed with blood and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So we know that Jesus died on the cross and because of his sin or because of our sin, his blood was shed and that it is now taking care of all the sin that we were once a part of. And he has given us that forgiveness and remission from all the things that were in our past and praise God for that, because we are so thankful that he doesn't have a list waiting for us saying, oh, buddy, wait till you get here. We're going to have a principal talk. No, he doesn't have those lists because as soon as we forgive, he forgets and moves on as if nothing had ever happened. And so then we go on and we see that God has a health care plan in place for his citizens because every kingdom and every nation has to have some type of health care. I know, obviously, the United States is trying to work on it, but when I think of the United States, they have hospitals for us. They have something ready that if something goes wrong, we have a place to go because the healthcare system they're trying to establish is obviously there's a lot of issues. We're just going to leave it at that. There's a lot of issues, but they have places for us to go to get what we need done. And so obviously Jesus didn't want us to have some problems and not get it fixed. And we can go through. I mean, I have four references, but we're not going to hit all of them, but We know that he is the healer, that even going all the way back into the Old Testament, we see that he had a plan in place. You listen to me. You obey my commandments and that none of these diseases I put on those Egyptians will come upon you. You follow after me. You listen to my word. You obey what I say. And by his stripes, you were healed. All these different things he goes through, all this stuff. But what I think is very crucial is Actually, let's go to Exodus. We're going to go to Exodus because that one was a very crucial one. Because what he says before he tells them that sickness won't come upon them is something that people lack all the time. Exodus chapter 15. Exodus chapter 15. We're going to read verse number 26. Exodus chapter 15, verse 26. And he said, If you will give earnest heed to the voice of your Lord, your God, and do what is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments, keep all his statutes. It says, I will put none of these diseases on you, which I have put on the Egyptians, for I, the Lord, am your healer. Well, people love to read that. I am the Lord of your healer. But there's a requirement beforehand. He said, if you listen to my voice, if you give heed to my name, you follow after what I say. How many times do we know people that they want something from God? They want it bad, but yet they're not willing to do what God has said to do. And that's why as kingdom citizens, it is unlawful to do what the king has said don't do. Simple, simply put, it is breaking the law when God says, do this, and we go contrary to that. And that's how we have to see things. If God says, you know what, by unction by the Holy Spirit, he says, you need to go and give such and such A gift card or go buy them lunch and you say no that's not for me you don't understand you are breaking his law because you are going against what he just told you and obviously we know god's got the ten commandments and he's not a god that wants to just constantly just get on you but he wants us to be a part of his kingdom and reap these benefits that he's given us and in order to do that we have to obey him and so he says it there and then also you can write this down if you're taking notes over in Isaiah uh, 53, verses 4 and 5. Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5. And then I'm going to give you one from the New Testament. 1 Peter 2, verse 24. 1 Peter 2, 24. And then he goes on, and I love this passage of Scripture, because not only does God want to take care of us spiritually, but he wants to take care of us naturally also. And one of the greatest passages of scripture that I could think of was Matthew chapter 6. So let's go over to Matthew chapter 6, and we're actually going to be wrapping it up tonight. Because I want to keep to Pastor Mark's little time frame he's got. We don't want to keep you all too long. We know you you got stuff to do. It's okay. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Pastor Mark's like, hey, I say that, but hey, if the Lord wants to go other ways, we're going. And I'm excited because there's so many pastors out there that they literally have a clock that tells them three, two, one, zero. And once it gets to zero, they're done. They shut the mic off, walk away. But man, how many times has the Holy Spirit wanted to pour into somebody's life and that clock hit zero and they had to stop? That's why I'm excited when Pastor Mark went long the other night. Oh, man, that was good. And when he was sitting there just going, I was like, come on. Don't even look, through, Jimmy, take the clock off the screen. Let's just keep going. Because there was so much being poured into me that I knew, man, somebody else is receiving this same message and it's changing their life. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter six, starting verse 25, Matthew, 20, or Matthew chapter six, verse 25. And it says right here, the cure for anxiety, anxiety. I love that because so many times when we focus on the natural. We lose sight of who's our provider. And so God puts this in here and it says, for this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life. So to what you will eat and what you will drink and nor what your body where you drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. It says, look at the birds of the air. That they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? That's good enough for me right there. I mean, look at God's own creation that he takes care of. But then he goes on. And he says in verse number 28, right? 28? No. Yeah, 27. There you go. And it says, and who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life. And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. And it says, but if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith, do not worry then, saying, what will we eat, nor what will we drink, nor what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, but your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. And then we see verse 33, and it says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And then verse 34 wraps it up, and it says, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care For itself, each day is enough trouble of its own. And so many times we get stuck in this mindset of, I have to have everything planned out for 15 years. What am I going to do tomorrow? But God's saying, trust me today. As kingdom citizens, we have to recognize that he is our source. That when they actually had the kingdoms of the old days, the servants recognized who was their master. They knew who they belonged to. And even when Solomon was king, I love the story of Solomon before he failed, obviously, but he started off a great king. God even said, there is no one before you and there will never be one after you as great as you are. Because he started off and he said, God, God came to him in a vision. He said, you can ask anything you want, anything. Ask me. He said, "Okay." So instead of asking for his enemy's life, instead of for a long life for himself or great riches, he said, Lord, Give me wisdom to lead your people. He said, God, I want to have the wisdom and the knowledge that it takes to lead your people. And God was so pleased with that. He said, because you asked that and not for your enemies' lives, for great wealth, none of that. He said, I'm giving you all this other stuff. And he had one of the biggest, greatest kingdoms that there ever was. That even when the queen of Sheba came to him, she recognized the greatness of his kingdom, not because of what he had on. Not because what his royal officials had on, but because of his servants and how he actually took care of his citizens in his kingdom. She looked at them and said, they're dressed better than all of our people. I said, okay. And so when she finally got to him, she said, what was told to me isn't even half the truth of what really is here. She said, this is so beyond me. I can't even explain what they even told me. It was way off. And God is saying, Look at the lilies of the field. Not even Solomon in all of his glory was like one of these. He said, so who are you to worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, or what you're going to wear? That's his responsibility. That's not ours. As kingdom citizens, we have to recognize that, Lord, this isn't on me anymore. You told me to do your word, and you said, seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. He didn't say, seek first his kingdom and all these things. He said, his kingdom and his righteousness his way of doing things. And so when he got there, he said, you know what? For my kingdom citizens, I want them to live this life with abundance. He said, I don't want them to be looking around saying, well, what are we gonna eat? What are we gonna drink? What's gonna happen to me? He said, I want them to trust in who I am. And as kingdom citizens, we have to rely on the nation that we are born into and not have dual citizenship. Because so many times the devil will come And tried to pull us back to where we used to be. I mean, even the children of Israel fell into this trap all the time. When they came out of Egypt and were heading to the promised land, how many times did they stop and say, man, it was better when we were slaves. We actually had food because they weren't trusting the one who was over them. They even got to the point where they said, we are tired of God being our king. We want a man. And so Samuel was so upset by that. And God finally said, Samuel, they didn't reject you. They rejected me as their king. Go give them what they want. But for us, we don't want to ever put God in the position of him saying, they rejected me as king. Because we are a kingdom citizen. This is where we belong. That's what Jesus came to reestablish and bring us back into. And so for us, we want to recognize that, one, Lord, you are our source. You are our king. We serve you wherever you want us to go. Whatever you want us to do, we'll do it because you're a good God. You are a good king, and we will serve you wholeheartedly. And then also we want to recognize that it's not our responsibility. These benefits that we have come when we obey God at his word. This right here is the truth that we live by. And when we finally recognize that, Lord, your word is truth, everything that is in there is for me. That's why I love it when people say, The Bible has the answer. It does, absolutely. And another vein I wanted to go in was seeking first, but also being hungry and thirsty. Because it says, seek first the kingdom. It doesn't say, you'll have it first. He said, it's a requirement that you go look for it. So when we get into this word, it's not just an automatic, we open up the Bible and it just magically goes to where we need it. We need to get in it and find out what's in it for us. Because obviously we recognize that there's life. There's freedom, there's joy, there's peace, there's kindness, there's patience. I mean, how much patience do we need in this day and age? I mean, we see so many times people are just driving. That's like, you forgot to take your patience pill this morning. Yep, you're angry. But for us, we should look different. When they looked at Jesus and Nicodemus came to him, he said, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God. That the things that you do can only come from somebody who's come from God. How much more today should that be us? That in this dark age that we live in, this dark world, that when we show up, that people can say, there's something different about you. That you must have been with God. Even his disciples, man. His disciples spent so much time with Jesus that they recognized them as untaught men. That they're not book smarts, but they said they had been with Jesus because of how they talked, how they operated, and the things that they did. And so for us, we got to recognize that we are a kingdom citizen. How we operate should reflect straight from God because we never know who we're going to come in contact that needs to have a part in this kingdom. And we have the key. We have the things to give them to say, you know what? I understand where you used to be. I used to live there too. I was, in, I was a part of that nation. But I changed a long time ago. And it's been the best decision I've ever made in my life. And so for us, we are his hands and feet on this earth. And we can give that opportunity to other people as we go out and we recognize that I'm a citizen of another kingdom. I'm no longer part of the world that I used to live in. I've renounced that allegiance. And I now tell the Lord, I give you my all. So, Father, we thank you, Lord, for this night. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be able to come. And get into your word tonight, Father, and recognize that we are not from another nation anymore. That, Father, we have been restored back to the kingdom of God. That, Father, we thank you that you had a plan in place to reestablish your kingdom on this earth. And we thank you for everything that you're doing in us and through us. That, Lord, that we are so grateful for you sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross. That for without blood, there is no remission of sin. That for us, we could never have the forgiveness and the freedom that comes with knowing your son. That, Father, we thank you that we can continue to walk out this life every day as a kingdom citizen. That when we walk into different places, we recognize that we are not from this world. That, Father, we are of the kingdom of God. And that when we walk into a building, the kingdom just showed up. That, Father, the king of kings is there with us. that, Father, like we said in praise and worship, let us acknowledge more and more your presence with us every day that father we don't want to go through life just thinking we're on our own because father you said in your word that you will never leave us you will never forsake us so father i thank you lord that we can become more aware of you here with us father more aware of your kingdom operating through us and father we thank you lord for this night father i thank you lord for every person sitting in this place that lord that we are the head and not the tail that we are blessed and highly favored because we are your kingdom kids, Father. I thank you, Lord, that we have the benefits of your kingdom and that, Father, we will just listen and obey you and operate in every benefit that you have given us, Father. And we thank you, Lord, for tonight. We thank you, Father, for Pastor Mark Nashley as they're on their vacation this week. I thank you, Lord, that you will just invest into them and stir them up, Father, as they're down there being able to get ministered to, Father. We thank you for the gift that they bring Father, we are so grateful for the great pastors that they are. And we are so thankful that when they get back, they will have something great for us to hear. And we thank you, Father, for working in us. We thank you, Father, for this city that Valdosta will have a great awakening, Lord, that we will put our hand to work and continue to do what you called us to do here, Father. And we thank you, Lord, that we will see lives forever changed for your kingdom. And we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.